Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this week's episode of Unwritten. What is going on between Hayward and Bumgarner here? After he struck out looking, he said something to Bumgarner. Sonny Gray walking off the mound and uh, having a few words, it looks like, with Anthony Rizzo. Joey Votto is barking at, he's barking at somebody. I think he's barking at the pitcher. Hello and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and Major League Baseball. We're going behind baseball's secret rules to define them, explore their history, and decide their place in the game today. My name is Ron Darling. I'm with Jimmy Rollins. Today, we're talking about something that Jimmy is an expert in, trash talk. (laughs) Or I think he is, anyway. What's fair game for MLB players, talking smack, and what's over the line? Jimmy, you're the perfect guy to break this down with, I think, um, I'm assuming, because Mm -hmm. you're known as one of the league's best trash talkers during your career. And you backed it up, though, every single time. That's what I loved about you. So tell us, was there anyone who could keep up with you during your generation of playing trash talking? Easy call. Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips. Really? What? I mean, that dude talked trash. You know know who else used to talk trash? Ken Griffey Jr. He talked a lot of trash. He did talk a lot of trash. Yes, he did. And it was just on the under. You know, you'd be real close and he'd say some stuff to you. And you look like, hold on, you, you talking to me? And he'd, he'd be laughing and walking away. Uh, but yeah, um, for me, you know, it wasn't about just talking trash. It was how can I get a leg up? And, you know, and okay. talking trash in baseball isn't the traditional talking trash. And, you know, like in basketball, I'm I'm across you over and, you know, dunk yeah. on you and you start tapping the head or you point that guys and stuff like that. You know, yeah. you just the culture of baseball just doesn't allow that. So for me, it was always psychological. You know, how can I get into your head without you even knowing it? <laughs> and, you know, and I, I used to read books, um, not on trash talking, just about how the mind works and okay. how you're in a zone and what gets you out of a zone. So, you know, when we're spe- especially when we're playing the Mets, you know, and David Wright, uh, he did a pretty good job, you know, rejecting me. I, yeah. I have to be honest. Um <laughs> For the most part, you know, he'd be on fire and it was like double home run doubles, just like, yeah, bro, yeah. you're wearing this out. And he get the second. I'm befriending him. Hey, you know, knowing I don't know we don't like each other at the time. Hey, man, what what are you doing? Like, you just you're just so locked in. Like, what's different? I saw you last week and now you the last, you know, the left. And this week you're just on fire. And same thing with Reyes when he get there or try to do it to Delgado. Yeah, because I wanted them to think about what they were doing. And I wanted them to come up to the plate the next time and look at me 
and I'm up there looking like I'm studying, like I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So now they feel like they're putting on a show. The last thing they're doing is thinking about hitting the baseball. I want them to, you know, worry about, you know, how do I do that again? And how do I get the second base again? So he can ask me, or maybe I can tell him that time. And if that works, I got into your head. And it wasn't the traditional trash talk of, you know, saying this or that, and I'm better than you or challenge this, this or that. It was psychological trash talk. How can I get in your head in 07, you know, saying we're the team to beat. And for real, that wasn't really talking trash. I felt that in my heart. And, you know, from the other side, (laughs) from the other side, you know, Jimmy's crazy and this and that. And, you know, maybe they were right. Maybe maybe I was crazy. Maybe I am a little bit crazy. Everybody got a little cuckoo with (laughs) me, especially when you play baseball. 100%. (laughs) And, you know, at the end of the year, uh, when they started losing, what I felt is that now they were having to answer their own questions. Yeah. I didn't have to answer them anymore. I, I, I said what I said. And coming from the Bay Area, it's one thing I learned from my mom also. I'm going to say something. It's up to you, not me. Yeah. I don't have to prove anything. It's up to you to make sure that I don't get it done. Yeah. And if I don't get it done, then it's like, okay, well, well I'll try it again next time. And I was just talking trash. But the moment I get it done, now you know you're really going to hear it. So how much more pressure does that put on you to make sure you you make sure that I don't get done what I said is going to happen or I don't win, that you yeah. you have to win now. You have to you have to do everything that puts a lot of pressure. So for me, I, I went about it that way. I want to put the pressure on you. I told you what I'm going to do. I told you what's going to happen. I want you to prove me wrong. And I think a lot of guys didn't really understand that it was you know, having to answer questions. And, you know, we heard, you know, just how that other locker room was at yeah. the end, you know, they're dodging media. That's right. Because now it's like, well, you know, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> you know, this this was said. Jimmy said they're the team and beat, and they're riding your heels. They, they came in to uh, Philly in September. We took four straight, and now the lead was down to three. Now they're having to deal with, are you guys going to let this happen? That's a lot of pressure in the clubhouse, and it lasted for, you know, a number of years. Um, another way... I used to talk trash is, yeah, I would pay me versus you tonight at the plate. Oh, nice. Me versus you, you know, and it it was, once again, it was a little challenge just now because I know what I'm doing. So it's a personal wager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whether I get hits or not, that's cool. My job is to make sure to get you out of your game. Now, some guys locked in. It's like, ooh, that was, that that didn't work today. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That didn't work. You know, but a lot of times you will see, you know, a, a guy go from hot to thinking about it. My job is done. I did my like, you better get him out because I could see him wavering a little bit. All you have to do is execute. And then, you know, it goes from, you know, one, one for three that night to 0 for four the next night. And a week later, they're still struggling. It's like, dang. Oh, well, our advantage. <laughs> hey, think about this this way. This is how good Jimmy Rollins is. The Mets were seven up with 17 to play. Seven up with 17 to play, and the Phillies came back on him. Give me some Brandon Phillip-isms. Brandon Phillips last night made some comments about the Cardinals, saying he hates the Cardinals, and used some less-than-family language in his descriptions. And as soon as Brandon got to the plate, Yadier Molina got in his face. Oh, some isms? Like some of his trash talk. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you get the second base. You know, first thing you do, one, first thing he does is – make sure he lets me know that I'm much shorter than he is. <laughs> you know, you come up to me walking sideways, 
Come with that little swag, that that uh that ATL swag. What's up, Shouty? You know? It's like, man, you know, you kind of dirty, Jay. Them, what's up with them shoes, man? You know, like they, they didn't polish your stuff off. And you look down, he's he's pristine because it's early in the game and he hasn't gotten any dirt on his clothes yet. Ah oh, shit, man. You know, I'm just out here trying to do my thing. And then go make a great play and come back and come back the next inning or, you know, hold you at second base as if nothing just happened. I mean, how come if you would have ran, I wouldn't have thrown you out. I would have went the first. It's got the out anyway. And you're looking at him like, bro, I'm not falling for that. <laughs> like, I already know, already know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to make a bad baseball play. So, um, but it was a swag and the way he did it. And he's kind of just kind of looked at you, not disrespectfully, but like, you know, I'm better than you. You know, I look better than you. You know, I'm going to make this play. I'm going to catch the ball, bounce it to the second, bounce to the shortstop, and it's going to make a highlight, a, a highlight play. And there's nothing you guys could do about it. And it made you want to just like, I want to hit the ball by you. Like, yeah. I want you to take a little bit too much time and I beat it out and it just get <laughs> under your skin. But you had to respect it because the man went out there and that oh. glove work was impeccable. And how many times in like, and this is the one time I love because he's got me for so many hits. And it's just like, dude, like, why are you even playing in that position? And you, he throw you out and just look at you like and point to the dugout. Like, they made me do it. Like, no, I saw you shift on your own. Like, yeah. don't try to point to them. But he finally hit one ball to me. This was in, I think I may have been in L.A. at the time. And I went to my right, dove and threw him out. And it felt so oh. good. It was like, mm, for, for all those hits you took away from me. You know, and all the times you came over to second base, and I'm like, man, this dude, you know, and he clean, he hit, and he hit the home run, and we know Brandon, he hit the home run, and they'll do the interview after the game, and he's fading my my favorite quote of his. And if I was a pitcher, I'd have been like, I, I can't wait to face you again. He said, I got every stitch of that ball. You know, he hits oh. it, and he gets the long look, <laughs> and you come in and interview, and he's laughing, he's smiling, and he says, I got every stitch of that ball. That's cold. It is. That's cold. a cold piece. Ron, a batter tells you that, you know, you oh. hear the interview after the game or a reporter comes over and is like such and such said he got every stitch of that ball. How do you feel? Oh, I mean, my my first reaction is I'm thinking of the math. OK, can I say to him, check the book? Because if I have really good numbers against him, I can say whatever. Just check the book. Or mm -hmm. if I don't, if he owns me, then I just got to take it. I mean, I got to just take it. I mean, because, you know, the whole thing about pitching is that if you don't want that to happen, pitch better, you know, right. and start pitching better quicker, you know, all that stuff. I was thinking about as he's trying to get on your height at second base, we had a fight in the minor <laughs> leagues because there was a, we had a second baseman and guy slid into him kind of hard on a steal attempt and they were talking to each other and he said to him, you're going to have to stand on the bag because I can't hear a word <laughs> you're saying unless you stand up on that bag. That's when they went at it, whatever. But um, you know what I'm thinking today, the trash talking? Um, players sometimes will do it with fans. I mean, it's unique, right? At the end of your career, mm -hmm. you were um, starting to get into uh, how important social media was going to be in, the, in all of sports. But I see players today occasionally, or I, I, I'll see on Twitter, how they've gone back and forth with each other. Yeah. Some players enjoy like the back and forth with, I call it the rage of the inarticulate. Those folks who just are angry <laughs> all day and just want to pick out ball players to try to get them uh, angrier. And, and, and that's the generation, you know, yeah. the generational difference. Um, when I first came up, Doug Glanville got to me early. Oh. 
And it was like, you know, the papers are always in the clubhouse, you know, and then it was papers. Today it's right there on your phone. That's right. Um, and he was like, and don't read it. Don't look at it. Don't pay it any attention because they have a job. Their job is to sell the papers on talk radio. Their job is to increase their listeners. The more listeners, the more uh, um, ads they get, the more ads they get, the more revenue the company makes. That is their job. Your job is to go play baseball. That's right. You know what happens. You know what you said. You know what you didn't say. And you come to the field the next day and you do it again. So I blocked all that stuff out. You know, newspapers would be would sit there and I just lift it up, put it somewhere else. Like, I, I don't even want to be tempted uh, with that. Now, today's society, your phone is in your hand all the time. These kids' phones are in their hands. They're playing really? video games and, you know, it's, everything's on the phone. So it's easy to go to Instagram. It's easy to go to Twitter. It's easy to go to Facebook and, you know, whatever else is out there and read and see everything that's being said about you. And it's a public forum where back when I was, when, you know, when you were playing, I was playing, it was local. It was yeah. in your local papers on a local radio and that was it. But now someone's taking a shot at you publicly. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tough, but you have to just look, whatever, who, who cares? And it's, yeah. there are times, don't get me wrong, where I've checked uh, Twitter and people have said something and 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 I'll, I'll respond, but I want to respond in a debate form. Like, okay, I hear what you're saying, you know, and maybe ask, you know, why? And then you break down, like I said, the anger to, and and you know the <laughs> the people who aren't too articulate uh, <laughs> and just expressing their anger, anger and their thoughts. Well, I, that's fine, but give me the root to it. You know, give, give me the reason. What is the root of your opinion? And you know. When one or two, you know, back and forth, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and look, it's kind of like the heckler in the stands, right? Oh, right. Look, you address them, you address them, and then it, they go away. The more you ignore them, the more they're going to keep going because they want that attention. That's right. So fine, I'll give you a little bit of attention. And once you do that, they leave you alone. They change their opinion about you or, or you know, at some point they may still have an opinion about you, but now they're going to learn to articulate what they say instead of the anger or discuss whatever it is they're feeling, you know, when they're taking a shot at you. My favorite comeback to the angry white guy, uh, 35 and older, was always the same. Please have your wife stop calling my hotel room. <laughs> that would always shut them up. Always, always. <laughs> Just had to do that once. You know, you, oh, yeah. you alluded to um, getting under the Mets skin, and you we were already dressed 2007 when you guys came back. But I remember 2008, Carlos I Beltran. Beltran had <laughs> yep. some things to say, and then yep. you accused accused him of plagiarism. I remember yep. after that year, Cole Hamels called him choke artists. I mean, the back and <laughs> forth between, and it, the only reason there was a back and forth because you both were real good. But you yeah. guys were you guys, get you, guys, you guys were in your prime. And that was funny because I, I remember, you know, uh, you know the. That 2008 match went and got Frankie Rodriguez, That's right. who was the dominant, you know, closer. And that was a big part of, of their failures coming down the stretch. You know, they'd have leads and get to the bullpen. And next thing you know, they're down by three runs. And now we, we have the stopgap that we need. And, you know, besides Mariano, the other other person you wanted was Frankie. Um, you know, we had Billy. Uh, we right. had uh, Brad Lidge. So we... We had guys that we felt can do the job, but it was like, well, if you look at, you know, their losses, the only thing that they were missing was a dominant closer. 
And now they got this dominant closer. So, yeah, Beltran's like, you know, to Jimmy Rollins in particular, <laughs> you know, we're the team to be. And I start laughing because I'm like, it doesn't work against me. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it, and that let me know right there, Ron, right there, the pressure that was put on them from the beginning of the season. Although, I mean, they were running through, running through the season. Yeah. But they didn't finish it out when things fell apart. Now, they're having to answer that question of, are you guys really going to let this happen? Yeah. Jimmy said that a tenant beat their fate. You know, they, they beat us early in the year coming down a stretch. We, we whooped them up pretty good. Yep. And now you're losing it all. So every year after that, from 2007, it was always that question. Are you guys going to live up to, you know, us, the Phillies beating the Mets, winning a division and the Mets live up to, you know, all the stuff that you said in response, because so far you haven't been able to do that. And, you know, like I said, 2008, that for sure proved my point that I was in their head, that we were in their head. The city of Philadelphia was in the city of New York's heads because of what happened. So it has a lasting effect, you know, talking trash at the moment, you know, I'm about to dunk on your play. That's one thing, but the psychological effect that it has on the team like every time they walk into that clubhouse when they're facing us they want to beat us that much more they want to disprove um you know what i said and how did that work out and um for them it didn't work out too well although you know uh they had a run you know a lot later and 15 that they got to the world series but during during that time that's what it was all about it was you know we became the nl's version um, NL East version of the uh, of Boston, New York. You know, yeah. you already have the Giants, the Giants and Dodgers out west, but that had been missing in the NL East. You have the AL East, that's historic, but that had been missing for a while. I felt because the Braves won, they were just beating everybody, so there was really no rivalry. So the rivalry be- rivalry became after the 06 Mets beat the uh, uh, Braves and knocked them off. It's like shit. Well, it's the Wild West now. It's up for <laughs> it's up for grabs, and I'm claiming it. Very nice. You know, I was. Um... I was thinking because uh, of um, of your age that you had to like those Oakland A's teams. Ricky probably had to be one of your yes. favorite players. But yes, I played with I played with um, with Dennis Eckersley. I saw I saw you play. Uh, you did. <laughs> yeah. Used, oh yeah. I used to. I play, sat in the stands. I used to uh, play with Dennis Eckersley, who one of the great closers of all time. But what I love is he to me was the first time that I had ever seen a pitcher that would just tra- talk trash on the mound with his actions. I mean, he you could hear it from our bench sometimes because, you know, in Oakland, poor Oakland, they'd have some great teams, but they'd have like 15,000. They would never have the you know, yeah. the, except for the playoffs. So he would strike out George Brett. He'd point at him. He'd snap his finger and say, go sit down. Like that, all of that would happen in a really quick yeah. time. And I was just thinking that what if Dennis Eckersley was facing Jimmy Rollins and told him to go sit down? Would you have any words for him? No. 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 He didn't. No, I, I wouldn't because I already know what he's trying to do. Yeah. He's trying to get me pumped up for the next night he comes in. Now I'm really going to try even harder. Oh. I, I take note of it and it's like, all right, good one. You know, look, you won. You're right. You won. <laughs> Period. There's nothing I could do about it. Go sit down. All right. All right. Cool. I'm all right. Cool. When I see you tomorrow night, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like the guy just, just hanging out in the weeds waiting for you to come across my path. Yeah. And when I get you, I'm going to make sure, you know, I got you. And, that, and that's how it goes. It's fit fair and square. 
It's nothing personal. You did your job. I know what you're trying to do also. That's not going to happen. And even if it does, I'm not going to let you see that you're getting under my skin. I may go in the clubhouse and, you know, say something, but I am not going to outwardly uh, let let you know that that you want. Because when I do that, now I'm getting in my own head because now the world sees there's this confrontation between us two. And it's me versus you. And I, and I don't mind. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I yeah. talk trash. Look, I, I, I'll stand up to the challenge. But I'm going to do it a little differently because I because what you're doing is what I do. I'm not going to let you win That's my it. game, you know, so and, and that becomes a game within a game. And I remember going to those games and, you know, he strikes you out and he gives that fist pump and he's screaming at you. Ah, it's like ooh, being an ace fan. I loved it. Of course. Um, but but, you know, being on the opposite side of it. Uh, yeah. All right. You, you got me. You just taught you cool? me. You just taught me something if, to be a good trash talker. You got to be able to take it. So you got to oh, give yeah. it, but you got to be able to take it. That's the only way you become a good trash talker. That's pretty funny. Yep. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a clown. Golly. No shame. No shame. Like, it's 7 to 1. You hear your third homer of the year, you act like Barry Bonds breaking the record. I'm the old grumpy guy, I know, but that type of stuff didn't, that didn't used to happen. Now it's, it's, that's ridiculous. As games change, and one of the best pitchers of his generation, Madison Bumgarner, he mm -hmm. is, he is on that rock. He might be the last guy on that rock of not wanting hitters to show them up when they hit a home run, right? Remember, <laughs> remember Max Muncie hit it, yeah. um, you know, into yeah. in the McCovey's Cove, um, and then when Madison got mad at him, Max Muncie said, "Okay, if he doesn't like it so much, uh, tell him to throw it in the ocean." Well, it's not the right. ocean; it was the bay, but that's all right too. Right. But just recently. Victor Robles hit a home run off him. Yeah. And it was interesting to hear Mad Bum. He's like, you know, this guy's celebrating. He's losing by eight runs. He's hit three home runs in the year. So he did exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to mm -hmm. let everyone know 
that I'm winning. I'm pitching a, a winning ball game. We're killing them, and that Victor Robles only has three home runs of the year. Right, so in one exactly. fell swoop, he just devastated. But I thought the greatest comeback of all time is the next day Robles <laughs> with the clown nose. He wore a clown nose because <laughs> Bum, Bumgarner had called him a clown. Clown, um, exactly. So I think Victor Robles has a future as a trash talker. Is what I'm hearing true? Is Victor Robles wearing a clown nose in the dugout? Oh my gosh, that is awesome. Oh, definitely. And <laughs> and that is the best thing to do. Take what, you know, someone is thinking as talking down on you or putting you in a bad place and accepting it, taking it wholeheartedly and being that. And you letting them know, hey, it's it's almost like it's almost like the whatever. Like this, you know what? I'm I'm gonna give you what you want, matter. As right. a matter of fact, I'm gonna give you what you want. Because after the game, or at some point, that person now is gonna have to answer to that again. So what did you think about, you know, Victor Robles wearing a clown nose? keeping it alive. Now it's back to you. And I'm going off. I'm going off to the next city and you're, and you're stuck with that. Now, next time we see each other, you know, what's on, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the cage. I mean, I'm in the box, you're on the mound and it's battle Royale. And if I get you, I'm going to clown again. <laughs> That's great. And, and the more, and the, and the more success I have, I'm going to use what you said against you. So part of trash talking is yes, being able to accept it, being able to respond in a way that makes this other person not want to do it again. And if they keep going, then you know what? Then the game keeps going forward. And, that, and that's the beauty of it. And when it's done correctly, it's 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 like a dance. You know, yeah. I say something, they say something, I say something, and it keeps it alive. And as long as it doesn't get disrespectful, um, I think it's a great thing. So, uh, Jimmy, I, I played against a, a guy that caught for the Pittsburgh Pirates called Tony Pena. You probably met Tony in, in your travels. Um, mm-hmm. He always had a lot to say. You'd get up, a lot. I love Tony. You'd get oh, I love him too. He's one of the best. You'd get up to the plate. He would spit tobacco on your shoe. He would say uh, <laughs> his trash talking to the pitcher would be, "I don't know how I'm gonna hit you, man. You're so good tonight. Your stuff is popping." You know, he'd be saying that kind of stuff yep. and get you going. But he he was he was one of the greatest. But I think first basemen sometimes can talk a lot of trash because they're bored over there. But I think mm-hmm. the the pitcher catcher hitter dynamic is pretty good especially uh how hitters can irritate pitchers but also how hitters and catchers have their own kind of deal because you'll hit you'll see a pitch thrown to you and you know it's a ball and the catcher will be like oh come on we got to have that pitch and mm-hmm. and the first thing you want to say is like that's not that's not a strike man what are you talking about um explain some of the things that go on in that batter's box uh, that that happens all the time, and you know, uh, catchers are trying to steal strikes uh, for their pitcher, or they're trying to expand the strike zone. You know, just 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 working the umpire. And as a batter, you know, you know, once or twice, you like not not even twice. Once you are like, okay, okay. all right, I, that, that was pretty close, but come on, you know. And the catcher say something, and you're going to say something back, like, nah, it was a ball, it was down, it was up, it was out, etc. And for the most part, the catchers ignore you because that's their job. They they want to say something to the umpire. They want you to hear that they're working the umpire, and they <laughs> want you to say something to them because they want to break your focus on, you know, worrying about the strike zone as opposed to trying to get a hit. Uh, but there are times where it definitely goes back and forth. And you know, we we talked about you know that dude BP 
you know, his incident with Yadi before he even stepped into the plate. You know, there's a history there. That's right. And, you know, before pitch is even thrown, we're getting a bench clearing incident. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's that that's part of it. Um, batters and catchers, uh, you know, th- th- there's a level of respect. But, you know, this guy is doing a job. And if the umpire calls it a ball as a hitter, that's it. Let it be a ball. That's right. I don't need you begging. I don't need you asking um, the umpire to expand or get a guy strike hitting is tough enough as it is. And the last thing I need for you to do is say something. And there are times, you know, uh, and, you know, and who was very good at that. And it was sneaky good. I mean, one of the greatest framers uh, in my era was um, uh, Russell, 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 Russell. Uh, I can't think. um, Yeah, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh uh, and the Dodgers. Russell Martin. Yes. Russell Martin. Russell Martin. So I was thinking Westbrook. I'm like, man, no. (laughs) Russell Martin. He was the best at it. I mean, he would frame the hell out of the ball. Yeah. And he would make you at times think it was a strike. And I probably call it a ball. He like, Oof. oh man, um, all right, you know, just you know, he and he kind of, and he wouldn't always say something. He just kind of frame it, tilt his head to the side, kind of like, mm, and throw it back. And you know, the umpire's hearing that, and that's the one time you can get away with. It. It's like, okay, yeah, that was a good pitch. And I know I probably got away with one, or at least he thinks that. And he didn't say much. So the umpire now is really thinking, did I miss it? He's upset, but he didn't show me up. Now, if he throws it again and Russell frames it the same way, the umpire calls it a strike. Now I have to say something back, like, come on now. Like, you can't let him do that to you. <laughs> you know, like, you you had, you had called it right the first time. This isn't 50-50. One That's time true. it's a ball, one time it's a strike. That's right. Because with two strikes, which 50 am I on? Am I on the strike side or That's on right. the ball side? That's right. So... I mean that 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 was one thing, and he was a he was one uh, that was real good. Uh, Jonathan Lacroix was actually another good framer, oh, and he yeah. would work the umpires. But for some reason, it's the the way he did it. He didn't allow you to really talk trash to him back. It was like he'd have a conversation with the umpire about yeah. it, and it was like if I'm trying to listen to the conversation, he's down there calling <laughs> pitches. You know, he's calling pitches and yeah. still talk to the umpire about the ball of strike. You can't do it all. Yeah, yeah. But he exactly. was great at working umpires, and I hated it because it's like with two strikes, he made you expand the zone because you knew how good he was at framing. You knew he was back there working that umpire. So guys like that, before you first bat, it's like, hey, hey, don't let him work you today. You know, you have to come in already. You have that's, to be preemptive. Just that's go right. to be strike first because – uh, if, if you let it get into the game and he's putting his fingers down while talk to the umpire, you can't talk trash and try to work, to, you know, try to focus on a ball coming in. So that's a dynamic that has caused uh, much friction. A.J. Pierzynski, oh, wow. who would talk to everybody. He's talking to the first base umpire, the third base umpire, the second base umpire, the guy behind the plate, the batter, the pitchers, <laughs> both managers. And, and that's who he was. So when you got to the plate, you have to really just zone him out because he's always saying something. Hey, man, you know, how you doing? How your mom doing? Everybody doing well yeah. while he's while the pitcher's in a windup. You know, and it's like, I mean, how many guys have told AJ to shut up? Like, dude, shut up shut back up. there. Like, We're trying to work up. here. Yeah. Right. It's like, shut up. Don't talk. Don't talk to me anymore. And he stand up and he keep talking. And he wanted that confrontation because he knew he got under your skin. That's Once right. that happens... You're going to focus on me talking and trying to get hit. Good luck. Yeah, I think we have to include AJ in some of our best trash talkers. How about for things, sure? How about things in the batter's box that you can do that irritate pitchers? What are some things? Um, 
one well b- before you get in the batter's box <laughs> the pitchers hated this when a batter gets in and he's digging out his little toe uh. spot and then he adds the hands to it like hold on so you're going to stop the game and get that comfortable in the box okay all right and you know and you go old school guys like nolan ryan Right. Uh, Bob Gibson, you you start kicking out that dirt, you better be reactionary because they're flipping you. Period. That's right. They're letting you know. Yeah. You can dig out wherever you want, but that's my side of the plate. This is bad. <laughs> you know. That's right. And and then and then you know flip you. And if they hit you, they hit you. That's right. They didn't care. No, they they didn't. sent the message to everyone else. Everyone else that's come to that plate, do not dig into that box. Don't get too comfortable. Um, so that, 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 those are two things. One, you know, kicking in the dirt and then adding the hand, like, no, you're going to wait until I get my toehold before we even, you know, uh, you know, get this battle going. And I didn't mind it because I understood it. And there are definitely guys that you didn't like and you would, and it's like, you, and you know, the hands are going to come out and it's like, and just get in the damn box. I, I, bro, you know what I'm saying? Get in the box. It's kind of like bum gardener. Do you hitting two oh five? Just get in the damn box, bro. Like, what are you kicking out? You know what I'm saying? It, it is. It is the equivalent of when you put the hand in front of someone's face, and they said, uh-huh. they, <laughs> "Did they just put their hand in front of my face?" That's what it feels for a pitcher. Is that uh, not only is he digging yeah. in, but he's telling me, "I'll let you know when I'm ready." That's right, what, that's right. what irritates pitchers. So that's <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Uh, for me, another one was pitchers couldn't stand and you know with me, uh, and I didn't get drilled much. Yeah. Um, either I got out the way or they just didn't want to throw at me because I got on base and I was still, uh, is a guy that literally put his back toe on that, on that inside edge of the box okay. and saying, and taking and just taking a plate away from you, you know, um, Pitches are trained down and away. That's right. So I was a pull hitter. So I had to make that my advantage. That down and away was middle of the plate. Right. Visually to you, it's still outside corner. But the angle that I'm creating in the box is I'm making that outside middle. Yeah. That 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 the middle is going to be in and the inside corner is really I can't, I don't know if it's a ball or strike, but I'm going to fight for that. You throw yeah. it in, I'm going to jump back and twist. Yeah. And, and he's going to call it a strike. Hey, come on, bro. That's way in, that's that's way inside. <laughs> you know, and pitchers would get mad is you know, seeing me working an umpire because they had they had to come in that's in right. order to try to open up the outside. And my job is to push the pitcher outside by blocking the umpire off. The catcher, you know, is getting frustrated. It's like, man, he can't see, you know, like, like I need you to move over because you're sitting under his elbows and you can't see that pitch as a strike. And I'm like, no, that's in. No, no, you got it right. You know, because I yeah, want to yeah. push the pitcher out over the plate. He normally naturally wants to go there. But if I can take that away from him, if, you know, the next day you're getting asked, like, how did you pull that ball? I went and looked. It was down and away and you still pulled it to right field, you know, off the wall. Yeah. And my my answer is, I don't know. So once again, going back to trash talking, psychological, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you. No. Period. You don't want to come in. That's right. If you have a two, you know, if you have a two seamer or a cutter in, I'm dead. But you're not trained that way. You're trained to show yeah. in, get a strike in, and then get them to roll over something, uh, you know, weak in away. So that was one thing I noticed pitchers. And John Smoltz, it was a funny. Uh, he threw a cutter. Uh, you know, I used to do very well off of Smoltz. Yeah. A lot of those Atlanta guys after my second year. So when I got over the fear of that, you know, this was the big three. I yeah, was like, yeah. you know what? I'm here. They're here. And I finally just, just like, I'm. 
still gotta I, get I'm a hit. Do this. Still gotta get my yeah, hit. Gotta get a hit. Yeah. And then I started and I started, you know, working them pretty well. But he threw a cutter. You know, I'm on a plate. And this is when uh Johnny was closing, I think. Yeah. He may have been, he may, may, may have come in to close. He was closing yeah. at this time. And he threw a cutter and it nipped my jersey. And he came running down. He's standing on the plate. That ball was over the blah, blah, blah. And I just ran down the first time. I'm like, but you hit me, Johnny. You know, that's, that's right. That's and, he, and, he, and he was so frustrated because he knows, you know, he's a guy that threw inside. That's right. He threw inside. And then when he developed that cutter, he had to be able to push you off the plate and throw that four-seamer run at two-seamer back off your hip. Yes. But by taking it away, he knew the margin of error, you know, shrunk for him on that ball inside. That's right. Because if it wasn't pushed out over the plate, the chances of the umpire seeing it weren't that well. So that was something I used my advantage to get as close as I could. One, because I'm a pool hitter. Yeah. Two, I understood, uh, you know, what a pitcher's, what the pitcher's objective was. Now can I make that to my advantage? Uh, so th- those are things I know for sure. Like I said, you know, the digging out, then the hand in your face, talk to the hand. That's right. That's <laughs> I'll, let you, I'll let you know I'm ready. That's funny. And I get as close as I can to the plate and, you know, just making you, you know, uncomfortable with throwing the ball inside because I know how precious that inside pitch is in order to open up the other side of the plate. One thing that will always be true is that the hitter who stands on the plate wants the ball in. Hitter who stands off the plate wants the ball away. That'll always be a truism for for whatever reason. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Who is Karin Garcia? Who is Karin Garcia? I think that Pedro Martinez, I always thought from afar, was one of the great trash talkers of all time, you know, whether it was with <laughs> Kareem Garcia, who he hit, or others. But you know what's funny, and I know you work with Pedro and I work with Pedro, yep. getting to know him post-baseball, and of course you played with him as well, mm-hmm. he's different off the field. He's more like Dalai Lama than... Uh, than a trash talker, I, I feel like he'll still go there, but there's mm-hmm. something more uh, refined in him off the field. For sure, yeah. for sure, he's he, he is a deep thinker, and you know you hear it when he wraps up his thoughts or is asked a question about you know a serious subject matter, and he can go to a deeper place. And I sit there sometimes like, man. Like you really put a lot of thought into this, like your heart and your mind and and into your response. And you get to see how thoughtful, mm. you know, he really is. And it lets you know why he was such a great pitcher. He wasn't just up there relying on talent. You know, he was thinking everything through to set up the situation, um, you know, to get how to, how to get out of a situation that he was in. It wasn't just relying on a, a 97 mile an hour fastball and an 80 and an 85 mile an hour changeup. Like he knows he has that. Yeah. But how does he get you set up? And when you hear him talk, you know, pre or post game, you get to see that. Like this dude, baseball was was spiritual. It wasn't just go out there and be the best talent on the field. It was a spiritual thing. And 
you you said it once he put that when he puts that uniform on you know, he's a clown he's gonna have fun right. he's gonna talk trash but you put him in a suit or just sit him on a couch you're getting a completely different person wow it's beautiful satchel page has a quote once he was pitching against dizzy dean one of the best pitchers of his generation and satchel would have been considered one of the best pitchers of all time if he had um not uh been relegated to only playing in the Negro Leagues. He had been allowed Mm -hmm. uh, to play in the Major Leagues. But he said to Dizzy Dean one night as they crossed paths on the field, he said, I don't know what you're doing, Dizzy, but I will be here all night because I'm not giving up a run. And Dizzy Dean thought that was one of the best trash talkings uh, of all time. Sometimes trash talking can be subtle as well. I remember Tom Seaver, the great Tom Seaver, at the end of his career, um, looked like he was done for the night. Pitching coach went out and asked him, hey, we got a guy uh, loose, ready to go. He goes, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. Guy's on second and third, two outs. He walks the next hitter on four pitches. Pitching coach and the manager are like, what is he doing? Goes 2-0 and on the next batter. Throws a changeup, ground ball to second base, out of the inning. So they come off after the inning. Seaver's toweling off. They say, hey, that's it, Tom, thanks. All right, great. Um, God, we were a little afraid there. You know, you walked, uh, the bases loaded, and 2-0 and on the next batter. He said, well, that's what I was doing. You know, we, I had to load the bases, so we had a force everywhere, and I had to get to the changeup, so I had to make sure I got to 2-0. and Pitching coach walked away from there like, I'm not worthy. I mean, this guy is thinking <laughs> on a whole, whole <laughs> right. different level. Right. So there can be right. quiet trash talking. There can be loud trash talking. Jimmy Rollins taught us today that you got to be able to take it as well as give it. But I think one thing we learned from the unwritten rules is that trash talking is all positive. It's all good for the game. It relieves some of the boredom that sometimes can happen over a 162-game schedule. And I'm proud that my partner is one of the best of all time. Odyssey, (laughs) Major League Baseball, Ron Darling, Jimmy Rollins. Thanks for listening. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey, with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.